and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. It appears Sunland are absolutely mint this season and absolutely no one will stop us on a march to League One dominance. However, we do have an old foe who's going to attempt to thrash the party on Saturday as Pompey visit an empty stadium light on Saturday. To preview the game is one of my old friends here, Hugh, fan of flare-throwing enthusiast Portsmouth um, from the PO4 pod. Hugh, as always, how are you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, I'm great, Graham. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. I think first things first, mate. How's things down south? Very mixed moment, mate, to be honest. Um, Kenny Jackett's still manager. Divided fans used to be what I'd say at the end of last season. I think most of the fans now united in the fact they want Jackett gone. I don't think it's a split anymore. As much as the club will try and make it out to be, the fans want him gone. He's still around. Um, and the results are mixed. We've got a good squad. We'll get into that. But can we put a squad on the field that actually know what they're going to do and hurt Sunderland? Yeah, I mean, you know, there was once a time where we seemed to play with Pompey like on the, a weekly basis, but it's it's actually our first game in almost like a year, but that's kind of due to COVID, I guess. But last time like we did play, you were actually in a really good run of form. You beat us 2-0. I think we were both on a good run of form at the time, and it was kind of like a, a big, big clash from what I remember as it was. It, it came to nothing in the end, but... At that point, I think Jack had came out with quite a sticky patch. He was going on a really good run. I think we both won like seven games in a row. Maybe you'd won eight or we'd won seven or vice versa. Um, he, he seemed a bit divisive then, but was turning people around to, to, to his side. So how have things fallen apart so much since then? I think it's fair to say in that game, Pompey got on Sunderland by sort of imposing a high press. And really yeah. forcing you back at Fratton Park, pressing high, winning the ball back, you know. Um, and what's happened since then um, is more of the same from before. And it's just the centre of midfield's getting overrun. You've got Tom Naylor in, in the centre of midfield. Kenny Jackett's decided to put Bryn Morris next, next to him um, until the last few games. It was a complete shock because he admitted Tom Naylor from the playoffs, didn't play him. Uh, your captain, you know, your anchor in midfield. He puts in a guy that's played, I think it was a handful of games over the last 14 months. You know, he's, he's been injured, so it's not his fault, but it was an awful decision and it made us whimper out of the playoffs. And then that carried on into this season. A, a team that has got a lot of good players in it, a lot of talent, but really couldn't impose themselves on teams, sitting back deep, unable to win the ball high up the pitch. So it's almost the opposite of what happened when we played you, when we were imposing ourselves deep. It's turned around into a more of a, we're just getting absolutely swallowed up in the middle of midfield. Um, but we have changed things around a little bit, just in time for Sunderland. So maybe, maybe there's a little bit of hope. No, it's like last season, it's funny. Like, I can't say Sunderland were that great last season, but we had that one run of form. The rest was pretty much average to garbage at points. Um, but Pompey had like a, a similar feeling. I remember, obviously, we won the third game of the season. I think you had a really bad start of the season, then pulled it back around the same time we did. But even when you did that, you had these really random results like 4-1 against Accrington. I'm sure you got beat off like loads of teams that were like there or thereabouts. Um, how much has that kind of put Peter the feeling around Kenny Jackett as well? Because he, he didn't seem to be able to get that consistency to get you in the automatics. It was like barely getting in the playoffs, a bit similar to maybe what we've been the past few years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same, mate. And, and the fans have, have had enough now. Yeah, I suppose some of the fans I would have said would be um, the football's turgid to watch. It's, it's pretty awful, usually. Um, the ball's played up too high in the air. Um, you know, we start the season playing John Marcus up front on his own, uh, playing long ball up to him against teams that sometimes playing three at the back. So 
you can understand why he's then having to come deep into his own half to even try and get the ball. I, I, I genuinely think at the moment, though, that the, the team has changed it around a little bit tactically. It's, it remains to be seen whether the, he can win the fans back. But I think it's way too far gone now from, from that point. And, you know, he's had three years now to try and get us promoted. And it's more of the same. It's dull to watch. Your neck hurts at a football game. Um, and and it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty dreadful, really, if I'm honest. But with the squad and the players we've got, you know, me and you, you don't like saying it, but I don't think there's many people that couldn't get this team at least into the top half and pushing for a playoff place, which is where Pompey are right now. Yeah, no, I'd agree with it. Do you know when it comes to Kenny Jacket as well, how many times have the papers used the, the Kenny Sackett kind of pun? Because surely that's got to be used on a regular. Uh, I, I think that it's time for Kenny to get his jacket is my favourite. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's... I mean, I, I've never been that enamoured by him, but then I look at his record before Pompey and I'm like, oh, fair enough, he's, he's kind of been there and done it. Um, but that, I suppose that same argument was used for Parkinson at the start, and I very much wasn't pro Parkinson. I'd be honest, I probably am now, but that's I don't mind having that humble pie. It's all right. Um, how much of the frustration with Pompey in general has come from successive semi final uh, playoff defeats as well? Because obviously, the way you went out against us was great for us, but I can imagine it being really frustrating. And I watched both the Oxford games as well. And, and you said, like with a whimper, it kind of felt a bit like that. I thought. I didn't think he'd walk all over Oxford because I think they were a good side, but I was kind of surprised how easy it became for Watford in the end. And that's where the fans really come to to look at the manager and say, do these players actually want to play for this manager? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where it comes down to. You've got players leaving out the squad. Gareth Evans is gone in the summer. He's gone to Bradford. And in his, interview, in his interview there, he said he's looking forward to playing for a manager that has a plan B. <sighs> you know, Brett Pittman leaves the squad. Didn't really think he was great again last season, but he's captain. He gets dropped. The captain's stripped stripped of him, and he's told to go and play with the under-23s at Bournemouth. Gary Roberts comes out before our game at Wigan and says, look, this is what happened to me. Kenny Jackett comes in, and then he says to the assistant manager, not even to himself, to tell Gary Roberts, yeah, he doesn't want him round. You go and play with the youth team if you want, but you know, you're not playing with me. And that's not the exact words, obviously, but that's the feeling of it. And this is quite a few players. And, you know, um, I've had quite a lot of interaction doing our own podcast with players and former players. And the feeling is the same. This sort of um, passive aggressiveness towards players. And you've got to think, when you've got this feeling around the squad, is that a recipe for success? And I think that's one of the main things where fans have turned, even the more loyal fans who've gone, all right, we've won one now. It was rubbish to watch, and you know, but we're winning. Winning's not not what it's all about. It's about the culture of the club and who we want leading it. Yeah. I mean, how long has he been there now? Fourth season, isn't it now? It's fourth fourth season. season. And when he first came in, it, it was League One, wasn't it? Because obviously there was a, I can't quite remember when it was you were in League Two, but when did you come up from League Two? No, you can put him on the spot here, Graham. But I think he took over from he took over from, he took over from Paul Cook, effectively, who That's left right. us and went and went to Wigan in that season where Wigan then went on and obviously won the title and we didn't do uh, particularly well. But you have to see it as that that he's had a chance now. He's had multiple chances. And I was actually talking to a, a different CEO at a League One Football Club, and he said to me, he's he's really surprised that Kenny Jacket is still in his job, and he said that to Mark Catlin. So. I don't quite understand why he's still in the job, except the fact that this is the last year of his contract. 
So his contract's out at the end of the season. So is it a case that the owners are literally skimping by keeping him on, which has came out in the news? They're saying it's going to cost 400 grand to get rid of him. But if you can go out and spend that sort of money on a, on a right back, when you've got a right back prospect coming through your youth system and Haji Manoa, do you, you know, what's more important? Yeah, and I, li- I like Johnson who's come in, but at the end of the day, they've got the money. I think that's just an excuse. And you're talking about players like being unhappy and stuff like that. I'm just looking through players that have left. I mean, obviously, Sunderland and, and Portsmouth have built up this kind of weird mini rivalry because we played each other like weekly and, and obviously in a final and Wembley and, and the playoffs and so on and so forth. So it's became this probably the two biggest clubs in, in the league, I would say so, if I'm honest. Um, maybe sans Ipswich, potentially. But then you look at like the players that we would used to be coming up against, uh, the likes of sort of Gareth Evans, the likes of you know, um, Ollie Hawkins, stuff like that. And, and for people, yeah, Burgess, Clark, yeah, yeah. Matt and Clark, obviously, and players like that. Of course, and the players that I'm like looking through that you've lost just in the summer that maybe, you know, let's be honest, in, in League One, you don't always tend to know who's gone elsewhere and, and who's gone and signed on loan and went everywhere around the around the divisions because it's, it's such a revolving door almost every club. But you've lost like all the players that I would have like, called the poster boys of the Portsmouth side that we've had that mini rivalry with. I mean, Pittman's probably like the poster boy of that 100%. Uh, Burgess, like you said, has gone. I think Seddon's gone back uh, to Birmingham as well. He's gone back. So there's another player. Well, he's gone, gone to AFC Wimbledon on the line. He, he, and I've heard he didn't. He wanted to go back to Wimbledon rather than come to us. So I think that says something. And he did quite well last year, did he not? No, he did well. We wanted to keep hold of him. The club said that it wasn't possible very much, pretty much to get him on line. Um, whether it's whether it's a case that we went out in the end and thought it wasn't possible because these things happen. You go out and got we went out and got Cameron Pring online. Yeah, um, we played before at Warsaw, and then you think maybe then Birmingham go. Actually, do you know what, Steve? You can you can go. That is you know that could be the case. It's not fair to say that maybe he just chose completely over us. But at the same time, I know he was really happy at AFC Wimbledon. He he's gone there instead. Um, I mean, other players, you know, Jamal Lowe, obviously, went to Wigan. He's now at Swansea. Yeah. Again, a player who's doing really well, though, so you can't really, can't really um, hold it against players who've gone up the league, should we say, in that in that sense. But, yeah, there's a lot of players that Pompey have lost. Um, and some fans will argue that the squad was stronger when we got promoted to League One, when Jacket came, rather than where we are now. It's a... It's a weird looking team when I look through it, but before I go sort of deep into it, obviously, despite all of that, you currently sit in eighth place. And looking through your results, it's been really <coughs> weird. Like it's been up and down the whole way along. I mean, you've got wins over Gillingham. Gillingham, I think, are a good side. Burton, yeah, the bottom of the league, but still a good win. Um, MK Dons, but then you've had home defeats to Wigan and Doncaster, and you drew against Rochdale. And I think Rochdale are one of the worst sides in the league. So what's gone wrong in the games against like Wigan and, and Donny? How have they managed to just turn you over whilst you've got results against clubs like Gillingham? Complete failure to impose ourselves on the game. I think is a fair way of saying it. And teams like Donny, who can play the ball round, for instance, um, were quite able to sit back, swallow us up in midfield and, and grab that goal. And, uh, you know, and they get the result. We'd never look like scoring in that game. And for us, it's been generating quality chances getting ourselves up the pitch and not just thinking, right, I'm in, I'm in the opponent's half. I'm going to lump it into the box and hope that John Marcus can get on the end of it because he's not going to against big, tall centre-backs that you get in League One. When you look at the success that we've had in, say, against Burton Albion, Marcus Harness played in a more advanced role. 
he played in what I thought of a time was a sort of a number 10 role where I've been crying out for him to play for absolutely ages. I mean, he came from Burton as a number 10 and we shifted into the right-hand side. Yeah. And then he plays down the middle and he gets a hat-trick. So you, you can say that that is a, a bit of an individual performance, really, of a team that were desperate to get goals and, and didn't look like we we're going to get goals from anywhere. And then again, you look at the Gillingham game. Ellis Harrison, injured, calf, calf muscle, looked like the only player he could play up front in Jacket's system who's strong enough in that, you know, that sort of Hawkins way that could hold the ball up and not yeah. get bullied off it, like played against you. So that's where you had Ellis Harrison. He gets injured. Um, Jacket makes a radical change to the team and goes 4-4-2 in the last game. He puts John Marcus up front and he puts uh, Marcus Harness up front with him and it worked. I think that's, I think that's a fair thing to say. We needed more attacking, attacking impetus. He makes a brave move. He drops Ronan Curtis. He plays Jacobs on the left, um, who's been informed, the more, much more informed player. And, you know, at this level, he does score goals as a player. He did for Wigan. He's got 10 every time he's been in League One. So 10 goals from midfield is a pretty good return. So then you think, right, what team are Sunderland going to see? Because Pompey are Jackal and Hyde. And yeah. if we, you're playing us at Fratton Park, I think you should be more confident because we've been rubbish at home. I've started wondering if the home and away thing has a has an impact anymore. But then the, you look at some of the results and it, it does, doesn't it? Even though there's no fans there, in a way, when you look at, for example, Portsmouth, you can see there's a, a differentiation between like the, the home form and the away form. You touched on um, John Marquis there, though, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, and I've never really found out or, or cared enough to find out, but I'm sure it must have been. The famous Will Grigg moment in Something Till I Die when we get quoted 10 million for a striker. I'm pretty certain that's Marquis. I'm pretty certain it is because he was flying at the time. The only one I knew that we were actively chasing and actively after and putting a bid in for. He's the only one that could have been anywhere near that kind of stupid money. Um, when it comes to Marquis, so obviously he went to Portsmouth six months later. Um, I think you could probably say... He was the deadliest striker in the division at that time because obviously Maggio would have probably put a head off, to be honest, but he left in the January. But when he went to Portsmouth, he had that he had that miss against us, which was poor, but it was only his third game. And sometimes I'd see the Portsmouth score and he'd have scored one or two, and then I'd not see him score for a week. So has John Marcus been the signing you expected him to be? No, I think that's fair to say. And I think the Will Grigg comparison is a pretty fair comparison. I think we thought, right, we need to go out and get a striker who scores a lot of goals. Yeah. Let's have a little look down the uh, down the league table, list the strikers in this league that score goals. And let's say we've got two million quid to spend. I think they ended up spending 1.75 million, by the way. And then you think you can't just go out and spend a load of money on a striker just because he scored goals at other teams. Doncaster play a system where they press up the ball, they pass, and they play the ball in behind for him to score goals. When he gets the ball to feet, when it's in behind, when he's a cross goes down low and he's attacking it, he's a good he's a good striker and he will score goals and he works really hard for the team. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. Strikers are streaky as well, and if they're scoring, they get that touch and they start scoring. He's not really been given the chance to score goals for us. And last season, Jacket somehow decided to employ him as a number ten behind behind the striker. Because he's, what he's done is he's looked at it and thought, Ellis Harrison's playing really well. John Marcus is you know, a good striker. I can't fit him into my system, but I'm not going to change the system because this is the only way I'll know how to play. So I'll just put Marcus at 10. 
well, that's bonkers. He's not a 10. He's a, he's a ball in behind striker. So I think his stats are a bit skewed last season because he's not even played him up front. So this season, he needs the ball to feet. And in the last game, he scores when the ball gets played through to him, a little twist on the turn, straight to his feet, just on the edge of the box, and he plays it into the bottom corner. That's how he scored goals for Doncaster. And if Pompey want to get him scoring goals, that's how they got given service-wise. Do you think that Jacket will look at that, though, and, and sort of take heed of what he's done? Or do you think it's just he struck it lucky in a particular game, he'll revert back to tight next game? I think... I don't think Jacket generally pays much attention to heed or anything or social media or anyone's opinion, to be honest. Um, Will he just think, though, that Jacket's not very big usually on changing things when we win? So it can be quite difficult. He'll just roll the same team out. Do you know what? It's been so sporadic and so random at the moment, Graham. It's pretty hard to predict. I reckon... That was one of the most complete performances of the season, if not the most complete performance of the season from this team. He'd be bonkers to try and change it. He might do, because he's weird. The only thing I would say is the centre-back position, and we can come on to that, but I think that needs addressing. But as far as the team goes going forward, I think we'll stick with a 4-4-2, which is what he's done. Marcus up top. And Marcus Harness is a really good partner for for, um, John Marcus. He's good feet. He's very quick shifting the ball. He knows when to pass the ball. He can score goals. He can play through balls. And that's the creativity that John Marcus needs next to him. Looking at the, you mentioned before about the the centre-backs, but I was looking through, obviously, your form on paper is based on results. But then you look sort of further into it, you look at the goals for, the goals against. I think Sunderland at the moment, when it comes to sort of uh, games that we've played, goals for, not that high, but our goals against is one. We've got probably the best defence. Well, we have got the best defence in the league, I think. One goal all season. That was the third game. Sorry, third minute of the first game. It was a penalty, um, and it was from a mistake from Burge. We haven't conceded since and looked really solid. We've been winning games one or two nil, and kind of it's it's been based on a good solid defensive performance, and that's really really helped us this season. Portsmouth, on the other hand, not quite similar. Your goal difference is three. You've scored nine. You've conceded six, um, but you've alluded it like an issue with it, the defensive partnership. Now I think. The other night you would have played, um, I'm guessing Raggett was there, was he? Yeah, Raggett was playing. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of Pompey fans, including myself, who's just tweeted this out again on, on Twitter tonight, um, and I, I've not been met with anything apart from agreement to this point by majority of fans. And of course, there are some fans that will disagree. This is football. We've all got our own opinions. But here's, here's how it is. He's got Jack Watmore next to him. And Jack Watmore is arguably one of the best central defenders, I think, in the league. He's definitely up there. Top three, I reckon, you you would say. Just been injured for a long time, hasn't he? Really? Exactly. He gets he you know, he's done his knee, I think it's I can't remember two or three times now. Yeah. But he he's you know, he's had injury issues. He's playing now, he's fit, he looks up to speed. Um, I think he's had about three off the line clearances this season already, for instance. He, he's looked particularly good, his positioning's good. We all know how good Jack Watmore is. Sean Raggett, last season, he started awfully. He looked like Bambi on ice. And after, I think we got to November, December, um, I'm just trying to think, I went away to... When I went to Tranmere in February. And then I just thought, all right, maybe I should, you know, cut the guy some slack. Because he had started playing these almost sort of like assertive, good in the air, 
his positioning was better. He's, you know, he judged the flight of the ball better. His tackling was better. Everything was better about him. And I think that you can credit that to Burgess, to be honest, for saying, you do this, I'll do the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Now he's got a new defensive partner. We seem to be back to square one all over again. And we were awful at the start of last season, which ultimately cost us promotion with how tight it was at the top of the table. Yeah. Because if we didn't start so badly, we would have got promoted ahead of Rotherham. Yeah. So now we're back to square one with Raggett. Will he get good again playing against another defender? Or why don't you bring in the guy that you bought from FC Michelin, Rasmus Nikolaisen, who otherwise would be playing in the Champions League now rather than sitting on the bench in League One? Yeah, I've seen that you signed him. Has he not started yet? He's not started one league game because the Kenny Jacket's not started him in one league game. Has he even brought him on his sub or played him in any of the cup games or anything like played that? Played him in the EFL Cup at, with three at the black back and looked great. <laughs> and then just dropped him next game. Yeah, just dropped him next game. Talking about players being dropped, obviously you've mentioned it already, but um, Ronan Curtis currently being benched. Now, I'll openly hold my hands up and say I really don't like Ronan Curtis. I don't know what it is. Sorry if you're listening, Ronan. There's don't just you? something about your face. You're not a fan. Just something about his face. I don't know what it is. I oh, just... it's like me and Chris Maguire, isn't it? It's one of those. He's one of those <laughs> players that every, everybody on the team um, who supports him loves, and everybody who yeah. plays against hates. He's just one of those players. Yeah. I think he is our Chris Maguire, but I mean, he was flying last season, and there's, there's no doubt in his talent at this level. He's a good player, but he seemed to have like a dip at the start of last season. Is he going through the same thing again? Yeah, no doubt he is. Um, and he looked frustrated in the playoffs as well. So it's difficult mm-hmm. again with Swiss streaky wingers. I mean, he's just been called up for Ireland. Don't know how, but it means he's going to miss the um, couple one of the EFL Cup games and the game that we've been cursed by playing on live on Sky against Plymouth. We never win that. And they're going to pretend it's a derby. Um, it's about the equivalent of you and Hull being a derby. It's, it's an absolute joke. No, <laughs> no, it's good at <laughs> Exactly. Just just the fact that we're down, you know, the coast and we're both sort of, you know, port cities that are just a side load of rubbish. But yeah, no, uh, Ronan started slowly. When he's frustrated, he he doesn't play well. And the fact is he's not playing well because he's having to try and chase back into his own half to try and win the ball back at the start of the season over again. He's getting no service. He's, he's being double marked. When that happens, sometimes I think it's fair to say he loses concentration and doesn't get into games and starts, you know, playing silly balls and stuff like that. So maybe if he comes back into the team and we're playing better, suddenly he shines again. But at the moment, Jacobs, who Kenny Jackett said he's brought in to play number 10, He's now not playing a number 10 because he came out last week and said, I think Joe Cannon, the assistant manager, said that number 10 isn't a real position. Um, yeah, I know, it's funny, isn't it? It's looked at your face. People can't see that because it's an audio podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm really bemused by that. Um, yeah, no, um, he's, he's been forced out of the team by arguably a player who's got the ability, talent, and uh, could keep him out of a team if he keeps playing like he is now after he scored a, a nice goal uh, at the against Chillingham on Tuesday. The, the odd thing I've noticed, and I don't know if this is a really that much of an odd thing, but like I'm like, for some reason, it, it just struck me as surprising because I thought you would have gone by this point. But McGilvery's uh, back in the goal, who I'm obviously having trouble pronouncing his name, Craig McGilvery. McGilvery? McGilvery. The, the guy who gives Catmull's penalty. Big Mac. Let's just call him Mac. Um, yeah. He's back. Bass has been dropped. What's, what's happened there? Bass got a niggle, got injured. Ah. Craig McGilvery came into the team, played well. Saved a load of penalties in one of our cup games. Just looks decent. 
and Jackets just just gone with it. What happened last season is a bigger question. You know, Bass, good keeper as well. We're pretty lucky to have two really good keepers. You know, Bass Academy prospect. He's, he's yeah. gone out on loan. He's come back in. Good player. McGivery, you know, he gets called up for Scotland and then gets dropped by Kenny Jacket, which is, yeah. again, again, bemusing. Like, what the hell? But at the same time, it, for me, either of those two start, I'm happy. Um, and I think it's fair to say that Craig McGivery probably didn't know what was what was going on as well. If you think about what's happened to players, he probably didn't know either, um, just like all the fans didn't know. So, I mean, it's not one the fans have moaned about too much. I mean, we feel bad for whoever sat on the bench because both options are good. You know, it's, it's mature muchness. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it was... I mean, obviously, I, I preferred John McLaughlin last season. I won't really say that, but I think last season when Burge came in, he did nothing necessarily wrong. And sometimes it was a case of, you know, both of them could do a job. I think it was, they both did all right last season. Personally, I'd pre- prefer McLaughlin, but that's just my bias. I think everyone has it, but either or, we were not that fussed at the time. And Burge just looked a little bit shaky at points of the season, especially in the way that he conceded the first goal, but he's kept, I think, five clean sheets in a row now, so I can't really complain, although a lot of that's down to his defence in front of him. You know, it is what it is. Um, one player that I actually really like from Portsmouth, and every time I watch him, I'm a bit like, yeah, he's got something about him, is, is Marcus Harness. Um, obviously, he scored against us at the stadium like this season, uh, last season, sorry. Um, every time I've watched him, he's like shit off a stick, for want of a better word. Um, but which players are actually currently on form at the moment? I know it's been an up-down season, but who who could be the match winners if you come to the stadium? Like, and should we say maybe an upset if you were to win? I think it is an upset. I mean, if you look at the bookies, I think we're three to one. Um, Just based on form, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let, let's be honest. I, I think when we look at match winners, we've actually got a few in the side that could do that. Absolutely. Marcus Harness for me, players. If you want to talk about players to watch his stuff, he's he's been my player to make a breakout season. He's had a season with us. I think he's capable of scoring as many goals, at least as someone like Jamal Lowe scored here. I think he's capable of getting 15 and pushing on to 20 goals if, if he you know, has an outstanding season. Yeah. What's great about Marcus Harness, for people who haven't watched him play as much, maybe listening to this podcast, is that his vision is great. Um, he's very quick. He can beat players. He can turn them. But he knows where the ball is the whole time. And he's very quick with his feet. So defenders tend to back off him a little bit because they're worried if they go in, he's just going to skin them and go past them. So he's a dangerous player, and I think he can enable other players to score as well. Um, I think he's the player I'd say probably most to watch for us in that in that highlight sense. And then you've got Jacobs again, who looks really good on the ball. He's only just got up to match fitness. You know, he, he was injured last season with Wigan, hadn't played many games. You could tell a little bit his touch was a little bit off. Even you could tell he's frustrated by it as well. Now he's up to speed. He's keeping Ronan Curtis out of the team, which says something about him generally. Um, and he's got that ability to score goals as well. So they're the two players, I suppose, we should watch. Talking about um, Sunderland and Portsmouth before, as we kind of said, there's, whether we want to admit it or not, there's a little bit of rivalry there. If you could be honest, you're pretty much the only Portsmouth fan that I've probably conversed with over the past two years. Um, Luke nine might say it different. I think he had a conversation with a couple of players just a couple of seasons ago or something like that. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember either. Something happened though. Um, but when it comes to something in Portsmouth, probably because the fans aren't able to, to go at the game, it's probably doesn't feel as intense as it has the past few games, but there's definitely a feeling there. So, you know, how, how do Pompey fans view Sunderland as a fan base, as a club? Like, what is your thoughts on us after the past few years? Because I think there's not a lot of love lost at the minute. There's not. And I think that maybe 
this fixture would have a lot more fire to it if the mm-hmm. Pompey fans weren't so <sighs> about yeah. watching Pompey at the moment. And the fact is, a lot of fans just are saying, you know, online, do you know what? I'm not paying to watch this anymore until he's gone. I'm not watching this. And, you know, I watch Bake Off rather than watching the football tonight. Uh, and this, this is, if you go on, if anyone wants to laugh, Sunderland fans, hashtag Pompey on Twitter and just read through the comments because it, do you know what's actually worse than angry? And it's don't care. And at yeah. the moment, a lot of Ports of fans don't care. So it's hard to say what Pompey fans think of anyone at the moment because they're so, what's the word? They're so, they're so apathetic. Apathetic. There we go. Get a dictionary, Hugh. But yeah, no, they are apathetic <laughs> towards the club. Um, when it comes to Sunderland, I think a lot of people think that we're going to lose. Um, and especially if we play the way we have been playing against people. Tuesday's given people a tiny bit of hope. Yeah, they've gone. They've gone. All right, wait a second. Like you know, we scored a couple of goals. I don't know. Is it possible? Can can we get a result? Most fans, I think, will be very happy with a point. Um, and there's no love lost with Sunderland, you know, generally um, as a fan base. But I think Pompey fans, I think it's probably a positive that there's no fans at the Stadium of Light um, yeah. this weekend. And not just because you have to sit way up in the top of the stand, you know, in a naff seating area in the freezing cold, but also because, um, you know, we all know that both of us have a pretty good home advantage when it comes to playing each other. Yeah, I think Portsmouth is one of those games that I quite like because the stadium like, can go one of two ways. If we're not playing too great because we care so much, it can sometimes turn a little bit after 20 minutes. Whereas if it's a team we don't really like, it's like 90 minutes constant, like having to go with somebody else. Like that's why... Newcastle haven't won in however many years. It's probably why all of Portsmouth have came to the Stadium Light and got a draw recently. Like we've we've always given you a decent game. I think we've won the last two at the Stadium Light. Hopefully, it can continue for us. Um, I did want to ask, and I don't know whatever happened to him, but you know, I can't remember the guy's name. But we spoke about him last time. He's probably a distant memory for you now. But the man who did shout at Luke Nine, the, the you know the the gargoyle guy. Whatever happened to him? Like, yeah, he got charged in the end. I can't remember what it was. He got charged. He went to court. He got charged. He turned up in this stupid outfit, like you know. I mean, I've not never been. Luckily, touch wood, yeah. I'm touching this desk underneath my microphone. <laughs> I've never been, never had to go to court for anything. Um, so you know, happy days. But if I did have to go, I'm not going to turn up in a grey jogging tracksuit. I can tell you that right now. Uh, looking like I just robbed it from Sports Direct. I mean, let's be honest. He's the disgrace of the city. Yeah. Ports of fans are absolutely. I mean, I was in the Fratton end at the time, and we all just shouted at him uh, the whole of the Fratton end. I think Sunderland fans probably won't know this sitting in there. But they, he was just getting heckled down with booze from the top of the fraten end. Um, so it's important to say that that man, that ugly, despicable bloke, does definitely not represent Portsmouth fans. And it was on TV. It was the even worse. I've got all my mates going, oh, look at that. Everyone like that's from Portsmouth. It's like, oh, mate, what a disgrace. But the, yeah, he, he got a court sentence. I can't remember what it was. The thing is, he got a lot of attention. But what actually was funnier, the more you watched it at the time, was the Mick Hucknell guy behind yeah, I, I love weird. Him. It was just bobbing about. His hair was like, I mean, you can't see because obviously it's an audio podcast, but I'm bobbing about for those list for those listening. I'm bobbing at the moment. And the way he just kind of like moved about. And I always wonder whatever happened to them. You know, in years to come, I'll always wonder what happened to them. But um moving back to the football itself and the thing that's actually important. Um Chris Maguire seems to obviously enjoy playing against Portsmouth. Uh, I think it's 
evident that it's one of the games he's well up for. But for us, you know, seemingly, if I'm honest with you, as I touched on before, it's all about our back three at the moment and a very much reinvigorated Grant Ledbetter, who's been so far our standout player. He looks at the Grant Ledbetter that we expected to come. He looks great. He looks so far ahead of like where he has been in the rest of the league. He's just so at ease. But which players are you concerned and Pompey fans coming into the game and where do you think we could damage you? I mean, depends what uh, formation you play. But I thought mm-hmm. having Luca Nine on one side and uh, Demahue on the other side, that looked, they're both players that can get forward quickly. Um, they both know how to, to put the ball in the box. They, they'll stretch us as well. Especially when you start looking at Kenny Jackett changing us to a 4-4-2, I'm pretty worried that we're going to get overrun in the middle of the park um, by by your by your system effectively with three central players and then two that can drop back in and then break forward as well. Yeah. You know what? I wanted to ask you, Charlie Wyke scoring goals. What's happening there? He's just decided he's good again. Um, I can't quite decide exactly what it is that's been happening the past few games. I think that. He scored against Swindon, scored against Crew. Maybe that's got something about it. No offense, but then you know what? Crew were a good side. Um, obviously, we're speaking on the Wednesday. Crew, crew played quite well. We could have put them away two or three, but that's no, no real shame to put the ball out and things like that. I think, and people might disagree with me on this. You've got Will Gregg, you've got Charlie White, you've got Danny Graham. Like got a lump it. None of those are going to score you twenty goals. And the one that fits the, uh, fits the system the best is probably Charlie White. Now, I'm, now I've said that, he's probably going to have a horrendous game and people are going to laugh at me, but I've said it a few times this season, when Charlie White plays, Sunderland as a team just seem to have a better a, a better way of going about things, I guess. And it's when, under Parkinson, our best form has been when Charlie White's been up front. Not that he's been the direct reason for it, but it has been coincidental that he's been there when we've played well. I think the problem is we could probably do with an upgraded version and one that can do what he does and score another 10, 15 goals, hopefully. Um, obviously, we've just brought in uh, the lad from Wolves as well, but Luke 9 was actually playing centre-back last night, believe it or not, and centre-back okay. against Swindon because we've got a bit of a defensive crisis, but I would imagine... Yeah, heard about this. What's it, is, is the Sunderland curse? He's not even played a game yeah. for you, that guy. That's really sad news, isn't it? He's... Um, who was He's... it? He came in and I think he had a knock or something, I heard, but apparently he's fit. Flanagan's back fit. Jamali's out without playing for like a year. So Jamali was... was, That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Oh, mate. Apparently, and I don't know how much common knowledge this is, and I don't know how far it's true, and one can't release my source of my in the knowness, but apparently he's Mm -hmm. done his MCL and his ACL, apparently. He's done both, apparently. That's awful. Sorry for the lad, yeah. Yeah, that's bad. He's played like one EFL game against Aston Villa's kids. Um, but I would expect that, I think Flanagan came on as a sub yesterday. He has a bit of a knock and was suspended the week before. So so hopefully it'll be back to, although say no nine played well at centre-half, so I suppose it'll be either or. But um, I think Maguire's always the one that people look at. Is there anyone yeah, that you see outside him. of him? I'm... Yeah, I mean, Maguire's the one everyone looks at. Um, I'm interested to see, um, I mean, I'm looking at your team. Ledbetter, I, I see him as a defensive player. I uh, don't see him as, I think he's got one of those players that you could say well, I'm worried about because of the fact that playing a 4-4-2, um, and, you know, you have to remember Tom Naylor, again, is a very defensive player as well. Yeah, We have a problem in the centre of midfield at the moment that nobody knows who to play alongside Tom Naylor. Nobody's working. Bryn Morris has looked like a passenger playing there. There's no use standing next to Tom Naylor holding his hand. He doesn't need that. You need someone else to go out and do a job. 
Um, Andy Cannon played last night. Some fans think he's the answer. I thought his passing was wayward. Um, I, I think he looked like he struggled a bit in a 4-4-2 as well. I've had a bit of abuse from other Pompey fans who don't agree with me, so make what you think of that. But Ben Close is, is the option I would have played next to Tom Naylor. I think he looked good, but Jackie never plays him. Uh, we played him two games ago and then dropped him and tried Cannon, even though I thought he played well in that game. Uh, for me, Ben Close is the obvious option to play in the middle. But we've yeah, got so a I midfield thought. crisis in the centre. So if Ledbetter plays his game, comes out and stamps on that centre of midfield where we are looking vulnerable and don't enable us to get the ball forward to passing quick players like Harness, Jacobs, um, and whoever he plays on the right-hand side is a bit of a coin toss at the moment. If you stop us getting the ball forward and you stop us getting it to those attacking players, we can really struggle against you. So, yeah, that's who I'm worried about in the middle, really, because that's where you'll win the game, by just bossing the midfield. So if, if you think Sunderland will come out and dominate the centre of midfield and you've got the ability to do that, then I think you should be quite confident about the game. It's just about, can you come out and control it? And yeah, so that's who I'm worried about. How's Aidan O'Brien doing? Because um, I've got a friend who's a Millwall fan, and we we were we were linked to him, and I was not keen. I I was I was not keen about him coming to Pompey. So I, I like the fact that he came to you, so I can then just throw the question over to you and see if I was right or not. This is a um, probably a controversial opinion early in the season, but I was watching the game with um, my girlfriend last night, and he came on, and I, I did the. <sighs> So yeah, that that's my thoughts so far. But prove me wrong, Aiden. Prove me wrong. But at the minute, he's like a really bad version of Aiden McGeady. That that's my thoughts. A terrible version of Aiden McGeady. But hopefully, hopefully, he can prove me wrong because we're six games. But at the moment, my current opinion is yeah, absolute shite. Not very good at uh, all. I don't rate him at all. And I remember when no. we got Ben Thompson on on loan from Millwall, and uh, the, one of the guys I know there was saying to me, "Do you, you know, fancy taking this guy off our hands as well? Do you, you know, and and shopping him to me?" It's really funny. I said, "You don't like him, do you? You're really trying to par him off?" And he was like, "Yeah, he'll struggle in League One as well, by the way." So, I I would be a bit worried, but obviously, you're six games in. Maybe he just clicks. Everything's great, and suddenly he's resurrecting his career at the stadium of light fingers crossed but there's something there's something there about him i just don't know what it is um i'll answer that when we get to the second game and i might have a bit more of an idea but just to finish off as always score predictions which i always get wrong actually i got right last week but there you go Did you? Um, i got right for the first time ever yeah yeah got said two nil i think um i'm gonna go the same again i think clean sheet we're good at that two nil i think Charlie White will get one. And Aidan O'Brien is going to get the second one. <laughs> you pissed, Taylor. Let's hope not. <laughs> I'm, going get, I'm going to get a message from him on Twitter. He's going to at me otherwise or something. Ah, take that. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been umming and ahhing over whether to take this new sense of positivity with the squad. I spoke to some of the guys who attended the game. Uh, actually people that are allowed to have press passes unlike unlike me and said look do we have a chance at Sunderland here do we have a chance of um and they think we got a chance they reckon we'll get a draw I'm gonna go with a more positive no wait a sec a more realistic and I'm gonna go two on Sunderland yeah I'll take that too I'll take that as well well Hugh thanks as always mate for coming on always good to catch up um I hope as always you have a terrible Saturday um but aside from that I hope you have a good rest of the year apart from when you have the return leg against ourselves all right that's right <laughs> against the return leg and then we'll, we'll see you in the playoffs then if we uh if oh. we manage to luck our way through there 
Right. Actually, to be fair, I take I take in the playoffs. Actually, yeah. To be fair, if there's one team that bottles it in the playoffs, it's Pompey. So I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be chalking off a Wembley trip, won't you? Be booking coaches and hotels. I'm and... not doing that. I'm not doing. No, I'm not. If we get to Wembley, I'm not going. No, I've had enough of it. Shite. Yeah. Horrible. That's place. it then. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's a lot of long journey for you as well. Too far to go to get beat, mate. But... All right, mate. Thanks a lot for having me again. Yeah. You always perfect, mate. Look after yourself. All right.